Okay, well, we're in a series that's been so, so good. It's called No Offense. And so let me just ask you, have you ever been offended by somebody that you love? Come on, just lift up your hand. Somebody you love, you care about, has offended you. Well, so, so today, let's just get this shirt out of the way, all right? Um, about, uh, about a month or so ago, I, I found this shirt. I was trying it on, and I took a picture because every, every guy, I mean, if there's any question, you need to take a picture, right, and send it to your wife. So I, I really like this shirt. So I took a picture, and I sent it to my wife, Lynette, and she immediately shared it with the kids. She was with all the kids in the car. And my son texted back this picture. It's on the screen. Um, <laughs> of Pugsley. Pugsley Adams from the Adams family. And I got, I got to tell you, I was, I was kind of offended by that. But as I was preparing for this message to prove I have not become bitter, I said, man, this is a great shirt to wear. Today, and no, no fewer than 10 people have asked me today if I'm out on work release, you know. <laughs> and if you would get close enough, this is not black and white stripes. It's black and very light blue stripes. All right, so. <laughs> you ever been offended by your kids' parents? Your kids have just offended you? I saw, I saw this video. My wife sent this video to me, so it's mom approved. But it's a mom with her little son, he looks to be maybe nine years old, eight, eight, nine years old, and he's asking, she's asking her son when he gets older and gets married, you know, before, he, what, what type of girl do you want to have? Do you want to have a girl like mom? Right, so that's the context. You can't see the mom on the screen, but pay attention to where this conversation goes. <laughs> I want to be skinny, or you want her to be thick, or you want to be fat, or you want, you know. No, 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 I want a skinny. So you want a skinny? Yeah, a skinny girlfriend. What, what do you consider mommy? Do you consider mommy, what is mommy? Am I skinny? Mama, you pretty. You ain't got to go up there and hug me and tell me that. Jace, what, I, I know you said I'm pretty, but what do you consider me to be? Am I skinny? Am I, am I fat? What, what do you consider me? You are getting fat, but I love you. I'm just saying you are getting a little fat. Okay, so you don't you don't want a girl my size. What? I'm just saying. I'm just. I, to... I love you. I'm just saying no, you, baby, you're getting stop. a little big, like big or something. You're getting like fat. You're getting big. Like, yeah. <laughs> I hope you caught that. Do you do you want a skinny girl or do you want? What do you consider mommy? And he's like, what? Like he is, he at that age knows this is a trap, but he's got to be honest. Man, ever been offended by someone you love? If you've paid attention, and that's really the context of the series, uh, if you've paid attention, the level of offendability is up lately, hasn't it? Especially the last few years. And offense is nothing new, but it seems to have hit like a whole another level, you know what I'm saying, with this offendability. And I started to wonder why. Why is that? Well, just logically, there are more offended people because people are being more offensive, like all of you that mocked my shirt this morning, all right? <laughs> the people are just being more offensive, and the level of offendability, there are more people that are offendable. And so it's nothing new, but it seems to be hypersensitive lately in our culture of today. And I, I know we're kind of started off with a little humor, and there's some offenses that we can take that are really not that big of a deal and shouldn't cause us to 
uh, lose our faith. But God is really asking this deeper spiritual question in this series. And I, I think it's more of a rhetorical question. And the question is, is it possible to live unoffendable? Is it possible to live unoffendable? And I think this is a really big deal, not, not just so that we can get along with other people, but because that if an offense grows, if we're offended and that offense grows and we internalize it, it becomes toxic to our life and it becomes this thing, this word that you've probably heard if you've read the Bible, uh, this word bitterness. Bitterness sets in and it, it toxifies our body. It's like, a, it's like a cancer that takes over our bodies. And Hebrews says this about it. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So notice he's talking about living at peace with one another. So that's going to deal with offense and bitterness. So live at peace. And then he's talking about being holy. And then he does it again. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. Or in other words, be holy. And, then, and be sure that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I think that's a great challenge. If we want to be holy, if we want to live, live out our faith and not fall short of God's grace, then we need a desire to be, live at peace with others. And be sure, there's this warning, be sure that no bitter root grows up. And I think the picture of a root is perfect for bitterness. Because a, a root is connected to the fruit that comes out of that tree. And the cancer that bitterness is, the toxin that bitterness is when an offense is internalized, it impacts your life. Hebrews says that it will cause trouble, it will defile many. Did you know that bitterness even affects your physical body? Now we understand that, that the bitterness, the offense happens a lot up here in our thought life, but it will affect your physical body. I looked up some of the effects of bitterness and the cousin of anger that oftentimes is accompanied with bitterness. And bitterness actually affects your brain. Now, I'm not just talking about your consciousness and what goes on in your mind, but the, your actual brain, that, that organ in your body. It causes high blood pressure. It causes depression. The constant release of of stress hormones in your body that are pulsing, especially every time you come in contact with that person who offended you and you've become bitter, or the subject comes up, or the thought, the incident, you begin to rehearse it. Your body produces three stress hormones, cortisol, adrenaline, and noradrenaline, or I think another word for noradrenaline is norepinephrine, and it's something that if it's too high and too constant, it decreases serotonin in your body. That's the happy hormone. And when that happens over time, you lose the ability to make sound judgment. It actually affects the neurons in your brain. Did you know that? That anger and bitterness has that type of physical effect on your body. But not just your body, your spirit, your attitude, your heart, your thought life for sure. But it doesn't just affect you or cause trouble for you. It affects other people. He says in Hebrews uh, that if you allow this root to grow, that it will defile many. It has an outward effect. And so how does it start? How does, this, how does bitterness start? It starts when I'm offended and I mishandle that offense. I begin to internalize it. So my challenge for all of us today is when you face challenges in this life, and for sure you will, Jesus said that we would, right? You're going to face all kinds of challenges. To pause for a second and go to the pages of Scripture and ask yourself, is there anything that Jesus can teach me about this? 
Is there anything that Jesus can show me about the way he lived his life or other areas of scripture that can teach me how do I navigate this situation? And today we're talking about offense when someone's hurt me and wounded me. How did Jesus handle offense? And today I want to highlight two of the values. There are plenty more values in Jesus that I could share with you, but two values that I think relate to this subject. And the first one is this, that Jesus had thick skin. Jesus had thick skin. Now, not calloused skin, the type of skin that comes with the numbness towards the world, but the type of thick skin that operated as a filter in his life, keeping the bad things out and keeping the good things in. And if you do not have a filter called thick skin, there's going to be some bad things that get in and there's going to be some good things that that get out. You have to keep For example, flattery from going to your head. You have to keep offense from going to your heart. And if you don't develop the ability to keep the wrong things out and the the right things in, it's going to derail completely your life of faith and the heart that my prayer is that you have that heart to follow Jesus and to live out this life of faith. So Jesus had a thick skin, but at the same time, Jesus had a soft heart. And it amazes me. As I study the story of Jesus, you know, going on, uh, uh, I'm 47, I think, 40, yes, 47, and just reading the Bible for most of those years, it, it amazes me to read how gentle Jesus was. I mean, this guy, as we're going to see today, he operated sometimes around extreme hostility, extreme agendas, both personal and political and religious extreme hatred, and yet somehow he always responded the right way, with compassion, with understanding, with mercy, grace, and forgiveness. And so the challenge today is to, despite the circumstances that you're walking through or you've walked through the last few years, what would it look like if we all maintained a soft heart so that we could love well, so that we could reflect Christ? You know what it would look like? It would look like an unoffendable life. So those of you who know me know that I have, I have a lot of hobbies, and I get kind of fixated on a hobby, and I usually dive in. So, so I'm not a pro at anything, but I have many different interests. And one of the interests is I like, thanks to Pastor Nate, I like dog training and, and waterfowl hunting. And so I have two Labrador retrievers, and it's duck season, opened yesterday. I am so excited. But it's too warm. There's no ducks around, or I'd be out, I wouldn't be out there now because I'm more on work release for this moment. But I would have been out there yesterday. And uh, so last year... I decided I'm going to build a dog box for our waterfowl blind. A dog box is just a dog, a box for a dog, all right? And it's a wooden box, and then you brush it all in. And so I wanted a new dog box, and so I, so I'm not, I'm not the the best carpenter in the world at all. I mean, I didn't, but I didn't even look up YouTube on this. I'm like, I could build a dog box, and so I even drew it out on paper, drew it out how I wanted to make it. And then I went and found some scrap material that I had, and I began to build this box, but I didn't, uh, I didn't use enough material. So I got this box built. It looked great. And then I, then I got my dog in it, 
And the dog couldn't even turn around. I mean, the front end of the dog was sticking out of this. And, and, I, I had had, and it, the embarrassing thing was I had it out of the, the duck blind. I was even bragging to Pastor Nate, I built this new dog box. And like his dog couldn't even get in it and turn around. And so that box is out in the woods somewhere. And the issue that I ran into is not, not only I'm not a carpenter, but I didn't use enough material. I didn't bring enough material to the project. And if you're waiting on God to do something in your life, and I believe many of you, you might, you might be waiting, God, I want to see you doing something in my life. Maybe the issue is that you just need to bring more material to the Lord to work with. Maybe you're holding back in your commitment to Christ and you haven't fully surrendered. But let me just tell you this, and I know this for sure, the more material that you give our God, the more activity you get to experience in him doing in your life. And so we're going to look at one of the most offensive weeks in human history. And if anybody should be given a pass when it comes to being offended, and even you might even say he has the right to be bitter at those, those people who, who were against him, it's Jesus. And so I'm going to take you to the story of Jesus right before he goes to the cross. It's that final week of his life, his physical life in, on this earth, and he's rolling into town. And the people are lining the streets, and they're shouting his praises, and they're celebrating him coming. They're, they think that he is going to be the king, the deliverer, but they totally miss the point. But they're shouting his praises. We love you. They're saying this word, Hosanna. They're saying he's blessed who comes in the name of the Lord. And then the thing turns, and one of Jesus' closest friends, imagine this, one of his closest friends, somebody who he always did right by, Jesus gave his life to, shared his life to. One of his closest friends named Judas betrays him. It says in Matthew 26, 47, Judas, one of the 12, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. So Judas, is, he's with this group of people, this mob that's coming for Jesus. And so you may have heard the story or know the story of Judas, that Judas betrayed Jesus. And most people, when they think of the moment that Judas betrayed Jesus, they think of this next moment, verse 48. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one, sees him. Most people think of the kiss. Immediately, he went up to Jesus and said, greetings, rabbi, and kissed him. Now watch what Jesus says in the New King James Version. It says, but Jesus said to him, friend, why have you come? Now, I want to take a moment and focus on Jesus' response. Friend, why have you come? Now, knowing what Judas is about to, to do, Jesus still responds, friend. Friend. You see, if you want to know what is true about a person, then just pay attention to how they respond when they take a hit, when they're being betrayed, when they're being set up. How do they respond when they take a hit, can they take a hit and still respond well? Can they be offended and still respond in kindness? Jesus, and what I want you to see about him, just in this one word, friend, even when he's having a bad day, he doesn't become a bad person. How does he do that? Well, this is character and righteousness on display for all us to see in this one word, friend. And then I love the question, why have you come? Other translations, because it's a rhetorical question, other translations say it a little differently. But why have you come? Now, does Jesus know why he came? Of course. 
But it's not in this moment Jesus who is lacking awareness. It's Judas. So he was, he was betrayed with a kiss. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever thought that? And you think about Judas' betrayal of Jesus. He was betrayed with a kiss. And when I think about the betrayal of Jesus, I don't think about the kiss. I think about the cost. What do I mean by that? In Matthew 26, 15, let's roll back the story. And Judas is meeting with these people, setting it up. And he says, how much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? He's making the deal. And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. See, to me, it's not the kiss. It's the cost. So I had to know. 30 pieces of silver. I mean, what does that mean in today's economy? And by the, you know, who knows, the, the time that I study this to today in our economy, maybe it's more, right, uh, with uh, inflation that's going on. But, but I had to look it up. So there were several different coins. And so depending on the size of coin that one of these silver coins would be, on the low end, it would be about $91 in today's money that Judas betrayed Jesus for. But if it was the biggest coin, on the high end, it was $441 in today's Money is what the commentary said. And so, Judas, you betrayed the Son of God, one of your closest friends, this man who has given his life for you. He's about to go to the cross for you. You betrayed Jesus for $441. You see, when it comes to offense, it's not the moment that hurts the most, is it? It hurts, but it's the motive. It's the motive. It's not the kiss, it's, it's what it costs. And maybe you can identify with Jesus and you were hurt. And for sure the moment hurts, but, but then you find out, is that all it took to throw me away, to betray me? It's not the kiss, it's the cost. So years ago, long time ago, uh, so it's about 30 years ago now when I was in high school, I played football and I was a lineman. Uh, offense and defensive linemen. And something that, so some of you know that, your friends of mine. But one of the things you may not know is I was the third leading scorer on our high school football team. What an incredible record. And so you're wondering, how on earth is a lineman the third leading scorer on the team? Anybody guess? I was the kicker too, all right? I was the field goal kicker too. And we get to kick a lot of points. And so I was playing this one game, and we, I had a field goal I was going to kick. And I, I, I usually always, I always made the field goal if it was in my range. But the linemen, the line didn't hold the line, and there was a really good team. And this guy came, actually it was two guys came through the line, and they just, they just flattened me. I mean, they just took me out. I, was, I mean, they're coming at me, and I'm not even expecting it. And I was flattened. And so what happened is I became afraid of kicking. And so in practice, all week I was missing. I couldn't even kick an extra point. Why? Because I was, af I was afraid I had PTSD from this moment. And so, you know, I was about 17 years old. And the way that my coach, like, convinced me to get out of my mind, he, like, Jedi-minded me on this. And so he explained to me that when this happens, if I can take the hit, if I can take the hit, not what, what's going to happen is a roughing the kicker penalty, which happened. And then what's going to happen is your team is going to get a first down and you're going to get an extra set of downs. 
And so it, it was one of those classic, I had an incredible coach, just but the classic, like, man, just get in there, you just take it like a man, right? And so I'm like, yeah, yeah. So, so it, it popped me out of that. But in some ways, I feel like God's favor works the same way. That if you can stand faithful in the position that God's called you to, that he has put you in, when you take a hit, his grace gives you an extra set of downs. His grace just compensates for that moment. But you have to be able to absorb the hit in a way that doesn't destroy your heart or make you forever fearful in relationships. And so Jesus in this week, he had to deal with significant betrayal. In addition, he had to deal with disappointment. Have you ever been disappointed by somebody that, that you love, that you care about? I mean, somebody that's just always letting you down. Now, Jesus had a friend named Peter, one of the disciples for this one. And one day Jesus says, listen, Peter, when it all goes down, you're actually going to deny you even know me. And it just Peter won't have it. He's like, never. He can't accept it until it actually happens. And so they arrest Jesus and they take him away. And Peter is there with the crowd. and He's confronted. This teenage girl, as Peter's kind of watching what's going on with Jesus but trying to hide, this teenage girl comes up to him and says in front of everybody, you are one of the followers of Jesus. And he denies. He's like, you're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. And then the next scene, just a moments later, someone else comes up to him and says, he's one of them. He is, he is a follower of Jesus. And he denies that he even knows Jesus. And then it happens a third time. Let's read it in Luke 22. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. I think I talk like Peter sometimes. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. You just pause for a moment and just imagine the look. As Jesus had told him this was going to happen, imagine that look in the moment as the rooster crows. Jesus said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And here's the moment. And Jesus looks at him. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. So betrayal, disappointment to deal with. In addition to that, Jesus had to deal with, in this final week, intense hatred. He had been arrested. And tradition at that time, because of the, the religious holiday, was the, the government, the Roman government, would release one prisoner to the crowd. And so, so they're asked... They're asked, who do you want? Do you want Jesus or this, this other criminal who is notorious named Barabbas? And they're like, give us Barabbas. And then in Matthew 27, 21. So the governor asked again as if, the, like, you, are, you guys need to, like, think about this. Like, are you sure? Do you even know what you're saying? Which of these do you want me to release to you? And the crowd shouted back again, Barabbas. Pilate responded, then what should I do with Jesus who is called the Messiah? And they shouted back, crucify him. So Jesus had to sit back and watch a crowd of people who just a few days before were singing his praises lining the streets now respond with such hatred. Have you ever have you ever been impacted, offended, hurt by fair weather friends? It seems that all of a sudden they've turned on you. It hurts. Betrayal, disappointment, hatred that Jesus experienced, and maybe you can identify with some of those things. 
And so he goes to the cross and it gets much darker than that. They rip out his beard. They crush a crown of thorns upon his head. They took his clothes as they spat upon him. They whipped him with a cat of nine tails and they're gambling over his garments, making him carry his tool of torture up a hill. And while on the cross, after breathing his last breath, already dead, the hatred doesn't stop there. And they asked Pilate to, to send the soldiers to break his legs, to speed up his death, but he was already dead. So it's like, well, at least they're not going to break his legs. But they still, the hatred continued. And they took a spear and they shoved it into his side. And the Bible says that blood and water flowed out of him. Now, let me ask you a question. Those of you who have lived with an offense and bitterness, you, you can recognize the sting of bitterness. Have you ever even had a week close to this? I mean, if anybody has the right to be offended and even bitter, in my mind, it's, it's Jesus. Betrayal, disappointment, hatred. But the question I'm here to ask you today is, how did Jesus respond to this? In this moment, it's, it's unbelievable. If you don't know the story, it's going to blow you away. Somehow, our Savior operated with extreme compassion, and he extended grace in the moment, his darkest physical moment. And here's what I want you to get about that, because we are called to follow Jesus and become like Jesus. Your offendability is directly connected to your level of spiritual maturity. In other words, your level of becoming more like Jesus. The more you grow, here it is, the more you grow spiritually, the closer you come to Jesus living his life through you, then the less, the, excuse me, the less weight that the things that come our way in this life really carry. And Jesus wants us to live as a reflection of him, amen? I mean, that's what we're called to do. So thick skin, but maintain a soft heart. I mean, what was, what was Jesus, the two greatest commandments that he gave us? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Here's where I want to begin to land the plane today. What do you need to know about offense and bitterness? It's this. Offense builds a fence. Some of you, that's going to stick with you. Offense builds a fence when it becomes bitterness. Before you know it, if you allow offense to grow into bitterness, it will take, take up residence in your heart. It won't even just affect your physical body. It will affect your relationships. Agony and the pain of the offense turns into bitterness and dysfunction, and it infects your whole life. And you begin to build barriers. It defiles many. Remember, you begin to build barriers in your life to keep you from those that God has called you to love and to influence. Offense builds offense, a fence, but it does not have to. And so what, do you, what can you do? What can you do about it? What is the takeaway from Jesus' life? Because some of you are saying, well, that's Jesus, but you're called to let his life live through you and become more like him, to take on his ways. What can I do, when it, what can I do with pain when it comes to pain? Well, here's one I want to challenge you with. You can take it personal or you can make it purposeful. I can internalize it and be offended or I can turn that offense and make it purposeful. You can choose to see the purpose in you about Jesus, it said, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. What was the joy? You and I getting to live this life, his life, 
salvation. And so on the cross, Jesus brings the ultimate drop the mic statement. And he says this in John 19.30. He says, it is finished. It is finished. Now, there's a lot going on with that statement, but I want to zone on, in on this. The it is finished, it's, it's a clerical term. This is speaking of, of debt, of forgiveness. Jesus is saying the debt has been paid for all of humanity, for everyone who will believe. It is finished. Some of you, you've been offended and it has grown into bitterness. And I'm not here to diminish your pain or diminish the reality. I, I get it. It, it. It's real. The pain is real and you've been hurt. And there's the spectrum of the intensity of that. But here's the challenge. What if we all turned a corner and extended forgiveness to the people who have wounded us, the people who have hurt us? Forgiveness, as we look at Jesus' words, is simply a cancellation of debt. We've not done a great job of explaining forgiveness because forgiveness does not necessarily mean forgetting. You might wake up 10 years later and realize, I don't have amnesia. I still remember it happening. It's not reconciliation. It hopefully can lead to reconciliation, but that's hard because reconciliation takes two. You should seek for it. That's another sermon. It doesn't mean not hurting, that I can only forgive when it doesn't hurt. You can forgive even when you're still hurting. Forgiveness is a cancellation of debt. It's simply saying, hey, you don't owe me anything, and I'm not looking to pay you back. Here's how forgiveness works and how you can begin that journey to uproot bitterness in your life. It's You pray every day. Pastor Jeff mentioned this a few weeks ago, very practical, supernatural though. You pray every day for the people who have hurt you. And it might be that many days you just have to will it. But then one day it's going to work. I guarantee you. You're going to wake up one day and realize I think it's actually took place in my life. And so how do you do it? How do I do that, Pastor Chris? How do you discover the essence of forgiveness? You look at Jesus, ask him to give you the grace to live the way he lived, and then you just have to try it. Offense does not have to build a fence. It can be a catapult for freedom, mercy, and grace, and a, a brokenness in your life that brings great compassion. Would you stand with me and let's pray. God, we thank you for your word that cuts through to the heart of the matter, and finds a place that is life-giving and life-changing. Father, I pray right now for, for my friends in the room. There's some here that are here or online, they're listening at a later date, and they've experienced significant betrayal, disappointment, hurt, woundedness, abuse. They've been taken advantage of. It might have been a business partner might have been a spouse, a parent, a daughter, a relative, a boss. And there's wounds. But you've given us a, a roadmap. How we can live our life. And it's not just a mental like, act of our will that I will not become offended. But you, you invite us to allow your life to be lived through us. 
So I pray for my friends today that are wrestling with that, maybe even a root of bitterness. Jesus, that you would come in and be the healing, the healing balm for their heart. That you would give us the courage to even today come to an altar, whether at our seat or find a place to kneel, say, God, I give it to you. I lay it down. Like Pastor Jeff preached a few weeks ago, I lay down the rock. We want to be people who say, I forgive you. You don't know me anything, and I'm not looking to pay you back and live the freedom that that unoffendable life is guaranteed to bring. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.